Hi, everyone. I'm so glad that you're here today. Will you please worship with us in song?
Jesus, Lord, our Heavenly Father, we are so grateful that you communicate with us, that we can communicate with you, and that when we go to you in prayer, you are with us, you restore us, you give us hope, you give us a future, you give us purpose, and dear God, I'm just so grateful, and like in Be Thou My Vision, where it says, you are my best thought, Lord, help us all to have more of our best thoughts and just be grateful for what we have. This world has been a mess lately, um, but you are there and you've shown your presence in so many people around me. And I pray that you would just keep spreading that light in us and help us be the people that you want us to be, dear God. <laughs> All right, so good morning, good morning. I hope you're doing great today. Uh, it's good to be together with you again. Uh, we are at the final week of 2020. This is it. You know, we, it's New Year's. Happy New Year uh, this week coming up. And uh, I know I'm excited about that. I hope you're excited about that and maybe for different reasons. But uh, it's good to just uh, have a chance to to move on to a new year, a new year, new beginnings, new adventures, a new work of God, lots of newness, and I'm excited about that. We are living on a prayer. That's what we have been talking about and digging into, lots of different uh, aspects of prayer and what prayer is and what prayer does and, and how we should approach prayer. And um, and we're just going to stay right on this topic of prayer, and we're going to march right into 2021, living on this prayer. And today, today, what I want to share with you is this, prayer refreshes the soul. Okay, think about that. Prayer refreshes the soul, right? Like, like a new year refreshes our country, right? Everybody's looking forward to this. Prayer refreshes our soul. And you gotta love the idea of uh, this idea of refreshing, refreshing, because it just brings with this it this sense of um, like like uh, just freshness and uh, newness and um, you know like this sense of um, a, a, a start over and a new beginning or or like the end of one chapter and the beginning of a new chapter and so it's a great thought, this idea of refreshing, if you've ever been like really like parched, you know, like your mouth is dried out from being out uh, playing ball or, or somewhere and it's hot and it's, you're sweaty and you're dried up and you, you get a nice cold bottle of water. That's refreshing. Or if you've ever like in the middle of summer, 100 degree weather, sunny hot, and you dive into a nice cool uh, swimming pool, you, your body just feels that sense of refreshing and it's oh so good for the bod you know and um that's what this idea of refreshing is for our soul as well if we can take that outward feeling that we get when we when we are refreshed outwardly and we can somehow figure out how does that happen to us on the inside in our relationship with god when we come to him and he refreshes our soul that that's spectacular you know that is just like miraculous in our life that god from the inside out is able to 
bring a sense of freshness and a new start and a, and a feeling of refreshment to our soul. And so when we approach the throne of God, when we come to him in worship and we're just seeking God or in prayer and we're just like wanting to hear from God, wanting to, to hear what he has to say to our heart or wanting to share with God and communicate with God, lots of things happen in that. Like lots of things happen in our prayer as we approach the throne of God. Let me name a few things. First of all, God gives us his attention. When we approach God, he gives us his attention. That's what God's waiting for, is us to turn to him and surrender to him and all the things we've been talking about and, and just about face and turn to God and say, God, here I am. And he gives us his attention and we give God our attention and that's a beautiful thing. And what happens in the midst of all this is that eyes are opened. Our eyes are open. The Holy Spirit comes and he helps us to communicate with the Father. Thanksgiving happens because we realize that we are in the presence of, of not just greatness, but but our awesome God who created everything and he's listening to us as we pray and so we're thankful and we're grateful that, that God gives us his attention and he loves us. And in the midst of this, what happens in prayer is that we realize that he is God and we are the work of his hands and we just put ourselves in his hands. We trust him and we surrender to God. And we come then to the fountain of spiritual refreshment when we turn to God and pray. And I've got to tell you, for all of us, it's exactly what we need. We need to come to God and be refreshed. Well, we're in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 3. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn there. We're going to look at a passage of scripture and talk about some things here in Acts chapter 3 that are happening. What's going on though, as we think about Acts 3, it's early in the book of Acts, which is the beginning of the church. So the church is brand new. Uh, Jesus has returned back to his father. He has poured out the Holy Spirit on the apostles. And the church is beginning to move out into the community and be spread all over the known world at that time. God has given mankind hope. He has given us hope by sending his son and his son is the gift of the world that we just celebrated the birth of Jesus. And Jesus, when he returns to the Father, he said, I won't leave you as orphans. I will come to you and be with you and live in you. And he pours out his Holy Spirit then to live in his people. And the apostles now are leading the way in the book of Acts as the church begins to uh, grow and it comes together and disciples are being made and, and they're teaching and they're fellowshipping and they're breaking bread and they're, they're sharing the good news uh, of Jesus and the gospel with the world. And all this is like, it's new and it's happening on the earth and it's like, it's like a new year for the, for the world as, as the Holy Spirit begins to move God's people out into the world to reach the lost and to share the good news that God loves us and that he sent his only son and Jesus died on a cross so that your sins and my sins can be forgiven. 
and that our friends, they need to hear this message. They need to understand that we're separated from God and that God has given us a son. And that's what's going on in the book of Acts. And so what happens is Peter and John in Acts 3, Peter and John, they go to the temple to pray, right? They go to the temple to pray. That's what they did. And that's where people gathered to pray. And so what happens is they come up to this guy, he's a beggar, at the gate and of the temple and he's asking for money and he's he's begging for money and so peter uh, peter uh, says to the man look at us like he's he's a lame beggar he can't move he's crippled and he's just asking for money like this guy right here and peter says look at us peter and john are together and they're going into the temple he said look at us do we look like we have money no, we don't have money. And so he says, silver and gold, we don't have. But then Peter says, what I do have, I give to you. And what is that? The healing power of Jesus. What Peter is going to do is he's going to point this crippled man to the one who can heal his brokenness. And see, Peter says, in the name of Jesus Christ, Remember, this is the beginning of the church. The apostles have special power to do things that no one else is able to do. But Jesus has given them this unique power to cast out demons, to, to, to raise the dead, to heal the sick, to heal disease. And Jesus can still do those miraculous things in our day and in our life and around us. And he does at times. But he gave these apostles special power to go and to make an impact and to get the attention of the world at that very beginning of the church so that people would turn to Jesus. People would know that Jesus is alive and well and working in his people. And so he says, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. And, and Peter reaches down and he helps the man up and the man leaps to his feet and he is excited. He's bouncing around. He's never walked on his legs before in his life. And now he's healed and, and he's excited. And the people all around see this. And the people, the scripture says, are filled with wonder and amazement. They're in awe of what just happened that Peter did for this man. And in chapter 3, verse 11 and following, this miracle, as they go into the temple, leads to the opportunity for Peter and John to preach the gospel and to share the good news about Jesus. It's, it's exactly why they have the power. It's so they can get the attention of the world and then God could use them to share the gospel with people around them. Now that's exactly why God is doing what he's doing in your life. If you're blessed by God, it's for one reason, so that you can use your blessings to share the gospel. That's the only reason God blesses us, is so that we can use these things to reach other people before Christ comes back and it's too late. And so in God's eyes, you are blessed. You have what you have to reach people for Jesus. Use what you have to spread the good news. Let God's work in you move out onto other people. Spread to others like a wildfire. Do that. So 
they preach the gospel and they're sharing about Jesus. And, and at the beginning of chapter four of Acts, if you're there, what happens is the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees, they see what's going on. And what happens is they are greatly ticked off. They are greatly disturbed, the scripture says. They are greatly disturbed. And remember, Jesus, when he was on the earth not long before this event, Jesus confronted the Jewish religious leaders as well. He dealt with them constantly. They were constantly wanting to do away with Jesus. And now the apostles are carrying on the work of Jesus, and those same religious leaders are going to come up against the apostles. And they're greatly disturbed. Why? Because they are teaching about Jesus and the resurrection from the dead. See, the Sadducees, they didn't believe in the resurrection from the dead. Peter and John are sharing about the resurrection from the dead and that Jesus rose from the grave and he is alive this day and they don't like that and so in chapter 3 verses 12 to 26 if you're open if you got your bible open you're looking at that peter shares this message with the crowd and the message is about two things first of all the message is about jesus it's all about Jesus and who he is and, that, and, and, and what he's done and, and, and what he continues to do in them and in the world and, and, and what Christ means to us. And the second thing that his message is about is that he's going to call out the religious leaders and he's going to point out their evil and their wickedness and why they rejected Jesus. And he is going to make it very clear to all the Jews in Jerusalem that are at the temple that this Jesus, that the religious leaders rejected, is the Messiah, the one that they all have been waiting for that would come. And the religious leaders missed it. They missed him. They persecuted him. And the people, the people went along with him. And so Peter's going to point that out. I want to share a few examples of this that... Peter shares with the crowd. So here's the first one. Uh, verse 12, chapter 3, verse 12b and verse to verse 15. Here's what it says. Peter says, he just healed this guy. He's preaching the word. And Peter says, why do you stare at us as if by our own power or our own godliness, we had made this man walk? It wasn't on us. We didn't do this. We're just tools in the hands of God. He says, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, and the God of our fathers, he's including all the Jews. He's including all the religious leaders. Like, these are our ancestors, right? Has glorified, the God of our ancestors has glorified his servant, Jesus. Now, they don't like that name, Jesus. You, you guys handed him over to be killed and you disowned him before Pilate though he had declined or he had decided to let Jesus go you disowned the holy and righteous one and you asked that a murderer be released to you you killed the author of life but God raised him from the dead and we are witnesses of this that is a powerful statement that Peter says 
to the crowd, okay? Here's the crowd, and they're, they're wondering what's going on. There's this man, he's healed, and they're looking at Peter and John. They're going, how did this happen? And Peter shares these words and others that we're going to look at. But in the midst of this, notice what Peter does. He says, our ancestors, these ancestors, Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, you know, you claim, you people, you Jews and you religious leaders that are listening from the outskirts and the shadows, you claim that these Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are your ancestors, and yet you totally missed the one that your ancestors were telling us about. They were talking about the Messiah. They were talking about the Christ. They were talking about Jesus. The one your ancestors pointed to you guys blew it. You have totally missed it because of your greed and because of your selfishness and because you want power. You don't care about the people and you don't really care about what God is doing. And the very ancestors you claim to be in line with told you about this Jesus and you don't care. You didn't listen. And he goes on, he says in verse 16b, he says, it is Jesus. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed this crippled man, as you can all see. And I, I just love that, right? Like, like, you can't deny what has happened here. This man has begged at this gate all of his life. People drag him here, pick him up, carry him here, however they get them here, him there. They put him at the gate and he begs all day and then they carry him and take him home, probably family members. So you know this guy, and look at him. There he is, right there, and he's, he's healed. His legs he, are not crippled anymore. He can stand up, he can walk, he's jumping, he's praising God. And we want you to know that this wasn't just some fluke that this man was healed. Science did not heal this man. Money did not heal this man. The only one who has the power to heal and heal this man, his name is Jesus. Jesus. Remember that name? Jesus. The guy that you put on a cross not long ago? Jesus. It's in the name of Jesus and the Holy Spirit working through us that this man stands before you completely healed. And they're like, not this Jesus again. Didn't we do away with Jesus? And now we have to deal with these guys teaching about this Jesus again. Verse 17 and 18. Peter says, now fellow Israelites, includes himself as among them, one of them, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did your leaders. There you go. But this is how God fulfilled what he had foretold through all the prophets saying that his Messiah would suffer, right? And so now Peter says, guys, look. You can't doubt that this man is healed. There he is. We're telling you, we did this in the name of Jesus, the guy that we have been following around, learning from, and he has poured out his Holy Spirit in our lives, and we are now witnesses and telling the world that we are, we are carrying out the work that Jesus began. And so they say to them, he says to them, you guys, you acted in ignorance. Now, that's not a good thing to say to somebody, but he says it anyway. He says, look, you, you don't really realize what you did, but you did it anyway. I have a feeling we're in the same place in America here. We're going we're, we're gonna to do some things that we're going to wish we didn't do. But 
that's another topic another day. So these guys are guilty of that. They, they did something that they should not have done. And then he says, as did your leaders. In other words, they're ignorant as well. They did ignorant things. Now, this is a slam against the religious leaders that are listening in because they think that they're pretty smart. In fact, they think they are over everyone else and other people are to submit to them because they are the religious leaders of the day and everyone should just bow down and do whatever it is they say. Not going to happen. And so this is an insult. You acted in ignorance as did your leaders. And then he says, and basically, here's the thing. God used your ignorance. God used your rebellious, evil heart to glorify his son. Look what he says. But this is how God fulfilled what he had already told about through all of the prophets, that this was going to happen. Because God knew your evil hearts and he knew that you were going to do what you did and that the Messiah would suffer, suffer at your hands, you religious leaders. And so Peter is saying, look, you acted in ignorance. God already knew it was going to happen. He knew you were going to do this. You fell right into the devil's trap, as do we from time to time when we do things that we know don't honor God and we fall right into the trap of the devil. Not where we should be, not where God wants us to be. And so then what happens in verse 22 to 23, Peter says this, For Moses said, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own people. You must listen to everything he tells you. Anyone who does not listen to him will be completely cut off from their people. And so, so Peter says, let me remind you of another one of your ancestors. His name is Moses. Moses is one of the, the all-star ancestors of the religious leaders. There's Abraham, he's an all-star. Moses, he's an all-star. Like these are big shots in our ancestors. These are the ones that the religious leaders and the Jews claim, hey, we follow after Moses in the law. We follow, we follow after Father Abraham and his descendants. We are one of his. And they're proud to say we have Abraham and we have Moses and we have Jacob and we have Esau and we have all these prophets that, that we are following behind. They're our all-star prophets. And, and then Peter says, and, and this Moses said that you should watch for the Messiah and, and that he will be a prophet like me, like Moses, right? Moses told them that this Messiah was going to come and what he would be like. And then he said, when he comes, you must listen to him and do everything that he tells you. Moses said that, and they know the law of Moses. These religious leaders, these Jewish people, they know that Moses said these things. And then he said, Peter said, if you do not listen to him, you will be completely cut off. Cut off from God, cut off from the kingdom, cut off from his children, cut off, completely cut off. And so this is a very painful statement, again, that Peter says to the crowd in general, but to the religious leaders that are on the outskirts listening in. And you know that they are now boiling with anger. They're back there stirring. They're back there talking to each other. They're back there trying to figure out how we can shut this Peter down and shut him up right now. 
And that's what they're wanting to do, and that's what they're going to do. But look what happens in verse 24 to 26. Peter goes on. He's, he's got them against the ropes, right? He's, he's beating the, the pulp out of them, and he's going he's gonna to about to finish them off. Here it is. Verse 24. Indeed, beginning with Samuel, all of the prophets who have spoken have foretold of these things. You see that? Or have foretold of these days. And you are heirs of the prophets and of the covenant of, that God made with your fathers. God said to Abraham, through your offspring, all peoples on the earth will be blessed. When God raised up his servant, he sent him first to you to bless you by turning each of you from your wicked ways. Wow. Check this out. In other words, not just a few prophets told you about the Messiah to come. Not just a couple of them foretold about this Jesus, the Messiah, what he would be like, where he would be born, uh, how he would grow, and what he would do. Not just a few prophets spoke of that. Not just a few of your ancestors told or foretold about Jesus. But Peter says, beginning with Samuel, all the prophets spoke of these days. All of them warned you and foretold about these days. And you, you leaders, claim that you are heirs together with the prophets and together with the promises and together with the covenants that God made. You claim that you are in the flow of all of these things. And that through your very offspring, right, through your line, Israel, all people would be blessed. Moses told you about this. The prophets spoke of all these things. In fact, when God birthed his son into the world, he went to you first, you Jews and you leaders. And did you embrace God's son? No, you did not. Instead, you murdered him. You crucified him, you persecuted him, and you made sure you put an end to him, the very one you claim you were waiting for, you killed. Well, that finishes these men off. They have had enough. They are boiling and they approach Peter and John and they are greatly disturbed and they seize them and they arrest them and they have them thrown in jail. That's what happens in chapter four. Lots of things happen in chapter four. They get in all kinds of trouble. They are, they are threatened. They are commanded to stop talking about Jesus. And yet, Peter and John, they stand boldly and they keep proclaiming Jesus even in arrest mode. In fact, they continue in chapter 4 in their arrest mode to call out the wickedness of these evil leaders. In fact, in verse 19, one of the statements they say to them while arrested and like being questioned is this. We must obey God. Not you. You judge for yourself who we should listen to, but, but we're going to listen to God. We're going to obey the Lord. 
not man. Now that's a bold, courageous statement, one that could get them killed. But in the midst of this persecution, God's people rise and they stand and they don't give in to the wickedness of the world. They stand for the truths of God. And then they said, we cannot help speak of what we have seen, excuse me, and heard. We can't, you, there's nothing you could do to stop us. We have to talk about this Jesus. We walked with him. We saw him do these things. We heard his teachings and we watched him get crucified, buried, and we spoke to him after he rose from the dead and we watched him ascend back into heaven. You can't shut us up. You will have to kill us if you want us to stop speaking about Jesus. Now, only if we had a little piece of that boldness and that courage and that faithfulness to God and that conviction that we would go out into the world and share Jesus with everyone that will listen and, and invite people to be a part of God's family. If we had that kind of passion, just a little piece of that passion, this is a great moment of faith and courage and the spreading of the gospel, even in the midst of persecution and pain and, and potential death. Remember them. Remember these guys, Peter and John. As wickedness increases in this world, remember them. Remember their faith. Remember their courage and remember their boldness. Chapter 3 Peter says something, back to chapter 3, Peter says something that is very encouraging and very hopeful and, and, and full of, um, of, of promise. He says in the midst of this, it's in verse 19 and verse 20, in the midst of, of, of them acting in ignorance, remember back to that spot where P Peter says, hey, we know you guys, you acted in ignorance and, and you went along you just went along with the religious leaders who were leading this charge and they stirred some people up and you just went along with it because you, you've been somewhat subjected to them and oppressed by them. And so you went along with this and you had Jesus crucified and you were a part of this. You're guilty of it. Peter then says, here's what you need to do. Here is what you need to do. Forget other people, forget the religious leaders, forget what they did. As a sinner who has sinned against God in your own life, them and us, Peter says, here's what you need to do. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord, and that he may send the Messiah who has been appointed for you, even Jesus. And so to each of us, who are battered and tempted and burdened by sin, Peter says, here's what you do. You repent and you turn to God. You repent and you turn back to God, the maker of your soul, the maker of our existence, the creator and the one who made everything and set it all in motion. You turn back to God. How do we do that? How do we turn back to God? We do that by speaking to God. We do that by being honest with God and, and, and coming clean with God. You open the lines of communication 
with God. That's how you come back into this. We call this prayer. We call this prayer when we are talking to God and we are directing our thoughts and our heart to God. And when you come clean with God, when you come clean with God, when you pray to God, a couple things begin to happen in your life that God is going to do. And this is a promise. And here's what they are. Your sins will be wiped out. See, the one thing that is keeping you from God, that's keeping you from going to heaven with God, is your sin. It has separated you from God. From God. And, and, and Peter says, God's promise to all of us is that if we will talk to God and be honest with God and repent and come clean with God, he will blot out our transgressions, our sins. He, he will blot out the thing that separates you from him. He will remove that obstacle so that you can come into a clean, new, fresh relationship with God. The weight of your sin will be lifted. The burden of the shame and the guilt that you have because of sin will be removed. And you will be free in Jesus, free from the burden of sin, free from the separation with God, and free from the punishment of eternal death and eternal hell. You'll be free. Peter says, you turn to God, you begin to talk to God, you come clean with God. That's all you've got to do to start, okay? The result of that later on is really you're going to want to please God because he's good. He loves you and he's full of grace and he forgives you. But Peter says, you turn to God, you begin this, this communication with God, you give God your attention, and God will give you his, and he will wipe out your sin. The second thing he says here is that a time of refreshing will come from the Lord. Now, if there is one thing that needs refresh more than anything in this world, that is a soul of a sinner who has never gotten clean with God. A person who has been living on this earth, heaping sin into their life, carrying it around like baggage, being reminded of it by everyone, every turn they make. The devil shoving it in your face and showing you that you are worthless and no good and look what you have failed again and again to do. But when you give your life to Jesus and he cleanses you of that sin, he removes that sack of sin from your life and you are now free in Jesus, you are refreshed. My brothers and sisters, you will be so refreshed to know that your soul has been cleansed by God. And only God can do this. And this time of refreshing will come into your life. Forgiveness produces relief. Relief of sin. You can't go to a doctor and be forgiven of your sin. You can't pay enough money to be forgiven of your sin. You can't do anything to be forgiven of your sin except turn to God and accept God's, God's gift of grace in your life that he sent his only son, Jesus. And Jesus is the only one who paid the penalty for your sin between you and God. And by grace, you can be saved through faith. And we give ourselves to him and only God can bring forgiveness and this feeling, this sense of refreshment of our soul into our lives. And your soul will find peace and healing and new purpose in Christ. See, the Lord, the Lord is the one who heals. The Lord is the one who refreshes. In fact, Psalm 23 says, He restores my soul. 
That's what God does when we turn to God. He restores. That word restore means he recreateth. He, he, he brings it back. He revives it. He refreshes it. He restores it. And then in Isaiah chapter 40, Isaiah said this, even youth shall faint and be weary and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait out for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. See, when we come to Jesus, when we come to God and we give him all of us and we surrender our lives to him and we say, God, we need you in our life. And he forgives you of your sin and he refreshes your soul. Only the Lord can do that. And you will be able to soar again and walk again and begin to fulfill what God puts you on the earth to do. That is a beautiful, beautiful thing. Prayer, prayer, my friends. Prayer refreshes the soul. And there's one other thing that prayer does when we're refreshed and we're forgiven and we're, we're refreshed in Jesus. Look what he says at the end, verse 20, he says, and that he may send a Messiah, the Messiah who has been appointed for you, even Jesus. And what he's talking about, you guys, is that Jesus is going to come back and take you to be with him. We are eagerly waiting for Jesus to return. Only the only people who have this hope in what God is going to do through Jesus are those who have surrendered their lives to Jesus, asked God to fill them with it with his spirit, and accepted Jesus Christ as Lord, been born again, immersed into Christ, and you are now forgiven, forgiven of your sin, refreshed of your soul. And now you're waiting. We're waiting for Jesus to come and take us to be with him forever. See, begin. What I want to tell you is that is this prayer refreshes the soul. And what I'd like you to, to begin to think about is beginning this new year. As we move into this week, as we move into this new year, begin with this refreshment, this new refreshment that Jesus is my savior. He is Lord of my life and I am going to follow him this year and forevermore until he comes again, because I need, I want, I desire for the forgiveness that only God offers. And I want to be refreshed by his spirit as he, as he cleanses my soul and gives my life direction and purpose. I hope, I hope that you will want this refreshing more than you'll want anything else in life. Have you accepted Jesus as Lord? Have you been born again? If not, find someone to talk to. Send me a text. Send me a call. Whatever it takes. Get with somebody. Talk about what this might mean and, and what the scripture says that we need to do as people to give our lives to Jesus and to begin walking with him and, and remain faithful in him. If you want to talk about giving your life to Jesus, I, I would love, I would love nothing more than to talk to you about that. Let's move confidently into 2021, living on a prayer. Living on a prayer and letting God refresh us in this new year. Father, please work in our hearts. Draw us close to you. If we've given our lives to you already, God, just renew us, refresh us, help us to, to see what great things you want to continue to do in our life. Help us to live in that sense of newness and freshness. 
If there's anyone listening that's tuned in that's never given their life to you, Jesus, or they've never accepted you as Lord, they know about you, they've heard sermons about you, but they've never said, Jesus, I want you to be Lord of my life. God, please direct them to the people in their life around them that could help them with that. God, draw us close to you. Help us to give you all that we are as we eagerly wait for Jesus to come back. Oh, what a day that's going to be. God, we love you, and we thank you for loving us so much. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Have a great week. Happy New Year, and be safe. Okay, be safe. God bless.